0: When I say ecosystem, it's it's more than just the dozen or hundred or a thousand APIs that some companies have rattling around enabling their day-to-day operations. It's also the tools and the scripts and the processes and the expectations and the cultural norms. Like that's a jungle. And if you only focus on the individual APIs, even if you're executing at a very high level for those individual pieces, if you ignore the jungle and the unique set of skills it takes to manage that. You're gonna return suboptimal results.
1: From Toro Cloud, this is the Coding Over Cocktails podcast, a free pool of thoughts, ideas, and advice from IT experts, innovators, and thought leaders, exploring the world of digital transformation, APIs, microservices, cloud adoption, and more. Welcome to episode 57 of the Coding Over Cocktails podcast. My name is Kevin Montalvo, and joining me from Studio Australia is ToriCloud's CEO and founder, David Brown. Good morning, David. Hi, Kevin. All right. Our guest for today is a platform thinker, digital transformer, API design architect, people manager, conference speaker, developer advocate, and writer. Since his first web projects at IBM in 99, he has built and maintained software governance teams at multiple Fortune 500 companies. His passion for building successful software developer cultures result in the continuous delivery of business value, even at scale. He's currently working as the director for API platform ecosystems and digital transformation at Postman. Joining us for a second round of cocktails is Matthew
0: Reinbold. Hey, Matthew, great to have you again. Hello, glad to be here. Uh, after we get done, Kevin, I'm going to have to ask you if I can hire you to like announce when I enter a room because Well, <laughs> oh, you'll like have to ask David for that. that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. It does sound good. An intro, doesn't it? Like you think, wow, I did all that. that <laughs> um, so, listen, Matthew. Welcome back to the program. It's always great to have a guest come back and join us again. And, and since the last time we spoke, you've now joined Postman. What What prompted the uh, move to join Postman?
0: It was an incredible opportunity. I've spent a number of years working with large enterprise organizations, trying to get them moving on large enterprise scale initiatives. And that was really rewarding, really fulfilling, but I felt so often that we were developing new techniques or new processes or new ways of approaching API development that really could have benefited the entire industry. And so when this opportunity came up with Postman to help set the agenda for what digital ecosystems were going to be and how I could possibly pollinate that in the larger Environment uh, working with a number of companies, it was it was a wonderful opportunity. I jumped at the the chance.
2: And what exactly does a director for API platform ecosystems and digital trans- transformation do? It's yeah, a it's title. a
0: long title, and I it's completely made up. Uh, so, but really, <laughs> at, at its heart, it's helping companies make that leap from a handful of APIs to an ecosystem of APIs. Like when I say ecosystem, it's it's more than just the dozen or hundred or a thousand APIs that some companies have rattling around enabling their day-to-day operations. It's also the tools and the scripts and the processes and the expectations and the cultural norms. Like that's a jungle. And if you only focus on the individual APIs, even if you're executing at a very high level for those individual pieces, if you ignore the jungle and the unique set of skills it takes to manage that you're going to re- return suboptimal results. So helping companies make that that change, helping them see their forest instead of just individual trees is really what my job is all about.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, how do companies end up with this jungle of APIs? I'm I'm, gu- I'm guessing yeah, because this is all still relatively new, APIs are being developed on an ad hoc basis and they just get added to the ecosystem. So is that is that how... APIs are maturing in an organization. And then what do you do about it to, to clear the forest right. for the
0: trees? Yeah. It's, it's a really a, a product of how useful APIs are within a, a modern company. Um, nobody starts out thinking about governance or thinking about management or monitoring. Like they're trying to solve very specific problems and they have a little bit of success. And so they do that more and more and more. And then pretty soon. They're not achieving the same kind of impact that those first original APIs were doing, and it's it's a it's a set of skills, it's a different mentality that that organizations have to work through as they begin to scale, as they begin to grow. So, you know what what does that look like? Well, thankfully, you know, I, I've spent a bit of time now at Postman talking with customers, validating models that I had put together beforehand updating models based on new information and and really uh, we're starting to get an idea of what high performing api companies look like and the behaviors that lead to high performance and i got to tell you it's not just technology it's it's a lot of people stuff so well, that's interesting so you're, you you you
2: obviously had a lot of theory and development in your writing and now you're going into these organizations and evaluating their their existing process and documentation of their APIs, but you're noticing some high-performing companies, some which which are obviously clearly doing something well or doing something different. So tell us about that. What is the difference between those high-performing companies and those which have more to achieve?
0: Working with Postman, I was able to help influence this latest 2021 State of APIs report. And I didn't want to just like go in with yet another set of survey questions, you know, what are the tools you use? How many hours per week do you spend? I really wanted to test some hypotheses that I had around this specific area. So what is a high-performing API company? Well, this may sound obvious, but we needed to test it out. High-performing API companies are really companies that ship sooner, ship more often, have fewer mistakes or rollbacks when they do ship, So it's not just throwing more spaghetti at the wall, trying to get something to stick. Like what they're putting out there is good and they're not having to take it back. And then finally, when things do fail, those companies are able to recover faster. So like all of that should sound kind of obvious. That's what high performance looks like. But then we had to go one level deeper. Like, okay, so we're able to ship, but what leads to those kind of behaviors? Because obviously... Any company would want that. If if some CEO could just sign a check and have that happen, they'd do it yesterday. And when we got into the numbers and started looking at correlation between high-performing teams and subsequently the behaviors that we saw, there was really three major themes around that. First is an articulated vision for what the APIs are doing for the organization. Your C-suite may not know the difference between a three-layer architecture and a seven-layer salad. That's fine. But they should be able to articulate how technology modularity helps them strategically. So, you know, back in the days when we went into offices and we might get on an elevator and have a 30-second conversation with an executive, like, they should be able to say in that time how APIs relate to the business strategy, more, more so, in five years, they should be able to say, this is where we will be because of APIs. Now, if business executives can't do that, if APIs are only seen as that tech thing, the thing that the geeks are doing over in the corner, there will be that disconnect. Yes, you will see some of the benefits from API production, but you won't see the kind of performance long-term, repeatedly, that we see with these high-performing API teams. So that, that's the first part.
2: That's interesting. Recently, we have been talking a lot about uh, where the driver for digital transformation initiatives come from. Does it come from this the CEO level down, the board level down, uh, C-suite? If so, where in the C-suite? So you're finding the uh, C-suite in those high-performing companies are very much aware of the impact that APIs are making that modularity, as you call it. And, and so, and your expectation is over the next five years, they're able to articulate the real differences that our APIs are making in their company.
0: So just to back up on, on what you're saying there, I want to make it clear to the audience, like that's not saying that digital transformation, that vision, vision setting can only come from leadership the what we 've seen is digital transformation can start anywhere, but it needs to connect to the leadership. They need to be able to articulate how it relates to strategy, how it helps the company win yes
2: and, and i'm guessing you actually want it to come from anywhere i mean so you know you want to drive down that decision making process down uh, 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 so that's interesting that you're finding that that's where. Uh, real changes is, is sometimes occurring, but I guess I was talking about more about the vision in terms of driving the initiative being driven from the top down so that it's clearly articulated uh, from the C-suite down. And, and perhaps even the board level these days, getting involved in these kinds of decisions, not necessarily APIs. And I mean, you're talking about APIs at that board level, but perhaps the digital transformation process. So but you're, you're finding that, that APIs is becoming a real part of the vocabulary of that C-suite. Is that right? So it's something that they're, they're actually bringing up in, in uh, your conversations right.
0: with them. And to be clear, like we're talking about digital transformation, not just digitization. And I draw a very distinct line between those two things. So there's lots of opportunity for software to be applied in companies to make what they already do more efficient, faster, better, possibly cheaper. I call that digitization, right? What is absolutely essential during the pandemic and the subsequent supply chain crunches has been digital transformation. That is applying software to create new products and services, not just doing what companies already did, but doing things in a new way that allows for more modularity, more resiliency in more complex, disrupted worlds.
2: Yeah. In fact, I think you mentioned that in our last talk is the ability is, is transformation is creating these new digital products and services or finding new ways to improve customer experience. Uh, that's the real transformative process as opposed to just using technology, which we've been doing for decades to create a more efficient process or to expose data or whatever it may be. I'm glad you brought up the state of the API report because we wanted to ask you a few questions about that. Um, One of them was uh, you asked about how companies responded to the pandemic and how APIs related to that. What were your findings in regards to to uh pandemic and right. how
0: people responded. Uh, probably the most obvious thing, like suddenly a large percentage of digital workers were remote and that couldn't have happened without APIs. That's kind of obvious. Let's set that to the side and talk about the second level. Like whether you were attending a church service over a video conferencing call, taking telemedicine for the first time, meeting with your doctor on your phone, Um, doing simple things like curbside pickup. like There was no other worldwide event, at least in our lifetimes, that has changed consumer behavior like the pandemic. So all at once, people were trying to achieve common, normal, everyday tasks in a way that was safe. And that was a Worldwide phenomena. That wasn't just one country that was a little disrupted, a worldwide phenomena that had people seeking out different experiences, different ways of delivering value. Um, companies that had already invested in their API portfolios were uniquely suited toward that change. So if you had already taken your ordering in your inventory system and put it in an API, you could more easily then spend a little bit of developer time and create that curbside pickup experience. Whereas if you had a traditional point of sale mainframe, you were months behind. And as we look forward to the future, like these things aren't going to go away. I love my curbside pickup. It's incredibly convenient. (laughs) Despite appearances, I sometimes don't like to talk to people. And therefore, you know, being able to roll up, <laughs> get my stuff and leave is incredibly attractive. So, likewise, you know, things like being able to get a doctor on an application is is incredibly convenient. And now that people have tried that, they've seen what that can do for them out of necessity. Now there's the expectation that other products, other experiences have that same level of convenience. So even if you we're able to weather the pandemic and you're looking at things. Well, there's probably going to be a subset of the population that's going to still expect that level of convenience, that level of um, intimacy, that level of on-demand response that they got during the pandemic.
2: Yeah. And another finding was, which is not really that uh, uh, surprising is that developers are spending more time working with APIs, it was the amount of time which really surprised me, with most respondents saying they're spending more than 10 hours per week on API development, although it was to a, a, an API questionnaire from Postman, so perhaps there was some skew there in the respondents. Um, when you break down this API development effort, what tasks are they spending their most time on, and, and were you able to identify any areas for improvement where they perhaps could be spending their time more efficiently?
0: Yeah, so we saw that approximately two thirds of the time was spent on activities other than programming or developing the APIs. So these things were things like monitoring, debugging, designing, documenting, all of the the halo of activities to actually successfully fulfill an API's expectations. Uh, vastly outweighed the actual time to create the API itself. As far as like. Where we could get better, I think, as an industry, we're still struggling with dependency management. The There's a quote in the report itself from an individual that unfortunately is not unique. They talked about how a significant amount of their time was just looking over their shoulder at their dependencies, making sure that they weren't changing, having to make sure that like, oh, my gosh, am I going to get a call at 2 a.m.? because of pager duty, because somebody pushed something to production and that's going to be a problem for me. So from an API producer side, we need to get much better about articulating what constitutes a breaking change and subsequently how to communicate those out and and achieve logical, sensical rollouts of those things. And from a consumer standpoint, we need to have better automation and monitoring for knowing when the sand starts to shift so that we can proactively jump in and and not have it be a production issue. Um, You know, whether that's lower tier environments, being able to test our third parties and make sure that they, the lower tier environments are remaining stable before they get into production or just having regular monitoring set up so that, you know, we have canaries in the coal mine, I think is going to be incredibly important going forward. Yeah, good
2: advice. Uh, We've often talked about API first on this podcast. Uh, Two-thirds of the respondents said they're already embracing uh, API first, but only 8% regarded their uh, API first approach as being excellent, what you uh, regard as 9 or uh, 10 out of 10. Why do you think the vast majority are not rating their approach to API first very highly?
0: I go back to the fact that it's it's so much more than just implementing a particular architectural style. API first, yes. At its simplest form is making sure that there's an API for any associated functionality that's produced. Simple, straightforward. However, making sure that that API functionality is uh, valuable long-term, that it meets the the, the needs of the consumers, that it is um, backed by solid ownership, that it's uh, all of these things uh, require in a lot of organizations, a change to how they produce software. It's a change of mindset from individual projects that, that meet a, a feature list or, or a Jira ticket sign off, and then subsequently are sent out into the world, changing from that product, mi- a project mindset to a product mindset. And that that's that's a big change. That that includes changing cultural norms. It means changing um approaches to how this technology is managed. Um, I previously mentioned like the, the three big behaviors that we saw were really um a part of successful API companies. And then we've we talked about the vision aspect. This the second is making sure that these companies have and sustain virtuous flywheels of communication so that the developers that are creating the APIs are getting the feedback, incorporating the feedback. Like anybody anybody can put out a suggestion box, but it's whether you're actually taking those suggestions and incorporating them in and continuing a virtuous cycle of getting better and and, uh, improving. And then the final bit, is making sure that the proper things are incentivized in things like job titles. I'm sure there's a lot of members of your audience that are probably going through year-end performance review. And everybody talks about how they love better API quality. They'd love to have APIs, that API first, that, that delivers the sustainable value. But if I ask you where in your job description is are you rewarded for API quality, I'll get some puzzled looks, right? Because the job description is about shipping code and the API quality is like a nice to have thing whenever people have time, right?
2: And I also wonder, you know, API first fundamentally requires collaboration with stakeholders. Developers are not necessarily known as being Social collaborative people they like coding right they like working in front of their computer and getting stuff done as you say they're incentivized for that as well so you know taking them out of their comfort zone and, and what then starting to collaborate and talk to people and and stakeholders and finding out what they need and what they want and am i am I delivering something that is useful for you is kind of in some respects taking it, some developers a little bit out of their comfort zone and I wonder if that also impacts why Maybe they're putting on the back burner. So yeah, they're doing a bit of it, but not necessarily doing an excellent
0: job of it. Possibly. Um, I, I would gently push back. I don't think you know, we have this kind of stereotypical idea of a programmer being that that you know person in somebody's basement that, you know, all they do is you 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 throw pizza and and sugary drinks down the stairs and and code comes out, you know. Um not like that. <laughs> um, I, I strongly believe that, that um, it's all about making sure that, that we understand what we're trying to achieve. If things like quality, if things like stakeholder engagement are treated as like these aspirational nice-to-have things, then they'll continue to be the things that are deprioritized or left on the floor when, when time crunch happens. If if we talk about these things as being, um, if we speak to the identity of being like good at your craft, if we speak to the the, the identity of being a good professional API designer as incorporating these things, I, I think they will happen. Like the, the, the stereotypical image person that we have in our heads, they talk to people. They talk to people a lot about certain topics that are really interested to them. I, I, I've seen Hacker News. Like <laughs> it, it happens, but it needs. We need to connect these two things where it's not external to them. It's not a nice to have, but it's actually core to what it is to be a good API creator.
2: And being part of being a good API creator also uh, involves documentation. And some, one of the uh, uh, results of the uh, survey was that only 3% of the respondents found that the APIs that they would consume were very well documented. Uh, wh- where are we falling down in the documentation? Is it, are we talking about the human-readable documentation? Is it the uh, open API specs, the postman collections, all of the code snippets, all of the above?
0: I, th- I think it's all of the above because for all too many IT shops, documentation is still that step that comes at the end. It becomes like the lipstick on the pig. Like we're going to toss it over the wall to our tech writers because we're, we got to get busy with this other stuff. And, and therefore like the people with the most intimate knowledge of how that thing works have just left to go somewhere else. And, and that's a huge, huge problem. So one of the other questions said, well, what do you wish you had more time to do? And testing was one of the big ones. And documentation was also one of the other items. Um, What we need to do a better job of is showing how those short-term wins, shipping code, actually incur a long-term cost. Uh, One of the big um, light bulb moments that I had leading a group through the same conversation Was when I pointed out how much more time equivalent groups spent maintaining uh, supporting other teams in meetings. Like, we can go ahead and publish this API as is, but I guarantee you're going to spend 10 more hours per month describing again and again for every single integration how this particular aspect works, or you can spend a sprint cycle, documenting it once, and then you can be done. And lo and behold, most people don't like meetings. And so, having that quantifiable information, being able to share that and demonstrate it, that was enough to get the, the that effort prioritized for the developers, have them care about the effort, and and push that through. So, uh, we need to connect those dots for for folks. Like it's it's. Documentation is not something you throw over the wall. It's got to be part of the definition of done.
2: One mm. well, of the other interesting things I found out, I discovered in the survey was the adoption of REST. So we find that GraphQL, for example, gets a lot of buzz in the industry. Uh, and then there's you know new uh, formats like Async, API, and the like. But the overwhelming majority were still... Uh, uh, using REST. What, what, what's driving the adoption of REST, do you think, versus these other uh, API topographies? Uh,
0: there's, there's two big things. I, one, I think, just is the ubiquity of REST. Um, everything speaks the web. Like every framework, every language, uh, everything speaks the web, and therefore it is the easiest thing to get started with. It's, it's native to almost everything at this point. But the second thing is it's just good enough, right? For those of us of a certain age, we might recall the semantic web. And it's coming up on 20 years now. But it was this idea that we were going to take this sloppy web and we were going to make it like perfect. We were going to make it rigid. Like everything was going to mean something and it was going to have all of this built-in semantics to it. And subsequently, it, it fell apart because that level of effort just didn't justify itself. And in the same way, I look at rest and yes, we complain about how it's kind of, it's, it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive. And so therefore you can have a lot of little wonky bits in there. And I think we need to stop thinking about that as a, as a downside and start thinking about it as a positive, like, the fact that it is so malleable, that it is so flexible, is actually one of its strengths. So there will always be a place for um, API patterns that do one thing and one thing really well. Like we're, I, I anticipate we're going to see a lot of those in the next half decade. But there will always be a certain level that just just do rest because it's simple and it's straightforward and there's a level of... of um, flexibility there you, that you just don't get uh, everywhere else.
2: And as a consumer of an API, being having a, something which is descriptive, knowing exactly what response you're going to get and if you give it the payload that it's asking for, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it does it makes your life easier consuming that API. Sometimes, if it's giving you the you know the kind of payload and resources that you're after, um, JSON Schema. Dominated the specification of choice, which I thought was interesting because uh OpenAPI version three actually uses a sub-extended subset of JSON schema to describe data formats, with, but JSON schema, open API, Swagger, they were given alternative choices in the question of which is their specification of choice. What's but what's driving then the adoption of JSON schema? Why did that outrank other formats, particularly OpenAPI? Which would uh, seem to be the biggest industry body driving uh, API specifications for REST, at least. Anyway,
0: it's it's a great observation, and it is something that we certainly want to look into more um, because it, it is a bit of a head scratcher. If I if I had to make a theory, it's it's kind of goes back to what I just said about REST. Like we need just enough definition, like just JSON by itself is great as a syntax, but we need just a little bit more information to have meaningful validation across systems or to provide a little bit extra information. And so JSON schema is performing that little bit of extra definition without having to go to some kind of heavy-handed, soap-centric, like, you know, salt style sheet or something like that. Like, it's just enough to get us the semantic meaning in our message payloads that is really useful without being too cumbersome.
2: Fair enough. Uh, It it was an interesting uh, result of the survey I found. Um, Look, we've been um, talking recently about the podcast and we we, we, we touched on this earlier about uh, who's driving digital transformation. So APIs is obviously a large component of digital transformation within organizations. But as you say, it's it's just really a mechanism to facilitate change. And, and we're talking about cultural change and the like. So in your experience, uh, these digital transformation initiatives, uh, who should be driving it? So the, we, we talked about before that, yes, we'd like to see change occurring uh lower down the food chain, you know, people closest to the customers and and understand the customer experience that they're getting and and what change they can drive and value they can drive. But where should the vision become coming from? Is it the, is it the CEO is the board of directors? Is it a director of digital transformation? Uh, Yeah. Someone with digital transformation in their title. What's your experience for that?
0: Yeah. So going back to my previous point, the, Leadership needs to be able to articulate the change and its importance, but I strongly believe the people driving it can come from any level. What changes in that aspect is that if you are a leader and you do have a change that you'd like to perform, you are operating with a high degree of hierarchical power. If you're on the front line, you still can drive change But the nature of the power that you wield is very different. So there's some great resources out there. There's a fantastic TED talk called new power versus old power. And I'm not crazy about that that definition just because it sounds like one is obviously better than the other. I think it's really a combination of both. But if, if you're one of those frontline workers, you have a tremendous amount of what they call new power which is about using influence, about organizing, about um, taking the domain expertise that you've accrued and being able to demonstrate useful um, attributes to to your leadership and how you can drive that change in your existing organization. Um, This is really important to me because as I talk about things like API governance and API ecosystems, you will see... Those frontline people that want better quality, that want better security, that want more time for documentation and testing and mocking, but they feel that they don't have any agency. Like they, that, that must be something with, you know, somebody with headcount, somebody with budget. That must be their responsibility. And I just have to suffer through. And if I want to leave you with a message, it's that no, 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 no. Anybody can drive change within the organization. It's just about, finding the skills, finding the ways to operate, which can help introduce that change and and make your organizations more amenable to those very important concepts.
2: Great advice, Matthew Reinbold. uh, Thank you for joining us again today on the podcast. Uh, People uh, can find you best on LinkedIn at Matthew Reinbold, the handle, is that right?
0: Either there or my website. And so it's very imaginatively named matthewreinbold.com. And uh, if you go your parents, there
2: Your parents registered that when you were born, did they?
0: <laughs> no, I've just been on the web that long <laughs>
2: That long Okay <laughs> And the, uh, the, the state of the API um, report Where can our listeners find that?
0: So if they go to postman.com Slash state dash <laughs> of <Okay>. dash the dash API <laughs> API,
2: great Thank you very much for joining us today
1: All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Coding Over Cocktails. To our listeners, what did you think of this episode? Let us know in the comment section from the podcast platform you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode, as well as our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there, because we listen. Just look for Toro Cloud. On behalf of the team here at Toro Cloud, thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers!